I've been in the very large aerospace and defense primes uh, for my entire career. I grew up at Northrop, um, started right there from graduate school. Um, however, I was in mostly their R&D area. Um, and so I did a lot of advanced development work for them. Um, and uh, we were always limited, um, even, even though we tried not to be, we were always limited by processes and um, just how fast we could go. Um, and so um, when Stokes reached out to me um, and told me about what they were doing, um, their vision, their mission, um, and then I got a chance to meet the team. I, I could immediately see the wonderful culture that they had put in place here and how fast they were moving and how quickly they were able to execute and accomplish um, the vision that they had set out for themselves. Um, I, was, I was pretty amazed inspired and um, I found it to be incredibly exciting. Um, and so I immediately, you know, wanted to kind of jump in and join and figure out how I can help. Yeah. So, so Kelly, you're talking about when you joined Stokes Space at the beginning, you're meeting the founders, what was it about their drive or what they'd accomplished so far that really caught your attention? Because you've, you've talked to other people in the industry, but what was it about them that stood out to you? I, they had a very well thought out thesis. Um, so they had done their homework. Um, they were not um, being, um, I guess, cavalier in you know what they were speaking about, or um, and they didn't try. They didn't go out lightly, um, and uh, they really put a lot of homework and thought into what um, they wanted to accomplish and how there was a hole in the current industry to do that. Um, and so uh, I could tell that um, and I could see quickly um, how, you know, how solid their thesis was and what they wanted to accomplish. I understood the challenges that they were going to face, um, but they all seemed like, you know, very doable things um, that they could get through. Um, so I would say it was the vision and how well they articulated it um, and um, as well as their just honesty with what they were going to face. Yeah. What was the reaction from your peers in the industry? I mean, you're going from these big, well-established known names to this sort of newer player. I mean, was was there a lot of encouragement? Was there like, what are you doing? Like, what was the reaction? Um, so I'm going to, again, I'm going to be very candid with you. Um, I have a, a bunch of peers uh, in the industry still um, who I um, respect very much. And I after I had interviewed with Stoke and I had talked with them, um, I was just, you know, reaching out to a lot of my old mentors and talking with them about the opportunity and what they thought. And I was describing some of my um, just general frustrations with the um, aerospace and defense industry, the legacy, um, and what I was was feeling. And I was kind of attributing it to one company versus another. And uh, one of my um, friends said, Kelly, I think that is just what you will experience everywhere um, in this industry right now um, and at these types of companies. And so I... Um, and he, it was funny because I think he was actually trying to use it to to keep me <laughs> in the industry. Um, but instead, it did the exact opposite. It actually was like, interesting. So it's it's really just the way it is. And so um, once I understood that, um, I thought, you know, I, I really I really want to try something, you know, new. 
Um, a lot of people, you know, they join startups a lot earlier in their career. Um, and, you know, they have that opportunity and they never look back and they think I shouldn't have done it. They always talk about it with such excitement um, and, you know, just something that they, you know, that they wish they're very thankful that they did it. Um, they're happy with where they are now, but they're very thankful that they've had that experience. And so, um, you know, I wanted to try that for myself. So I would say some people I'm sure thought I was crazy. Um, other people, uh, you know, were very jealous. Um, and the boat, uh, you know, a lot of people felt both of those things. They were, they thought I was crazy, but then was also very jealous that I got the opportunity to do it. Um, jealous so, of the craziness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and I would say, you know, some of them, you know, outright admitted that, um, that, you know, they admire the fact that I, I took that step and that they wish they could do the same thing. Um, so I find myself very lucky to have this opportunity at this point. That's awesome. We've got a few people, we've got some people listening to this conversation that don't know a lot about what Stokespace is. Can you kind of sum up how you explain it to people who are in or outside of the industry? And also a little bit about like, what is the excitement that, um, you know, that you're experiencing right now, having, left the the big legacy players now moving over to to uh, Stoke Space. Uh, sure. Uh so we are going to make um launches or access to space um routine um and low cost and we're going to do it um by using fully reusable rockets. So um right now you've heard quite a you know quite a bit about um SpaceX and some other companies looking to reuse the um, the first stage. Um, however, the second stage right now is is thrown away. And so we're looking to create um, a first and second stage uh, that we can recover and continue to use um, over and over again, which will then drive down the overall cost um, for launches and essentially democratize space. Um, so allow access to many different companies, many different players uh, to put satellites into orbit um, and to really jumpstart the economy up there. Yeah. Uh, on this series, we have interviewed people uh, who talk about reuse. And a lot of times mm -hmm. it's in the packaging industry or the textiles industry. This is on a whole different scale. We're talking about rockets that are going to space. Can you talk a little bit about like, why is it a problem that there is such little reuse in the industry currently? Um, sure. Uh, so, there's a couple of problems. Um, the first is obviously from a sustainability perspective. Um, you want to minimize um, the um, the footprint that you have um, and reduce the amount of debris that is um, in orbit. Um, the debris that's floating around, it um, is incredibly fast and it will cause severe damage um, to other um, satellites and useful objects up in space. And so minimizing that debris um, is going to be huge. And it clutters the, you know, our beautiful sky. <laughs> um, nobody wants to see that kind of a uh, layer of junk between us and, you know, the broader expanse of space. Um, so, uh, you know, we need to minimize that. And so by reusing both stages, well, we can um, significantly reduce the amount of um, debris that's left up there. Um, and then, of course, from the overall uh, economics perspective, if you're wanting to make access low cost and routine and reliable and provide it for um, all kinds of scientific missions, humanitarian missions, um, communications, um, all these different things that just generally improve the quality of life on the planet, um, you need to, you know, you need to reuse that rocket and drive down those costs. Um, so um, for both of those perspectives, 
objectives. Uh, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. How do you think this will, as we get to this place, like you guys are actively working on this. Um, and so it's going to drive down the cost. It's going to be more sustainable. How will this show up for like everyday citizens in, in, the, in their everyday lives? Like they probably won't see a, a direct connection, but this is going to change things for people, right? Oh, absolutely. Right now, I, satellites have a huge impact on our lives. When you think about the weather, weather monitoring, um, radar, all of those things are, 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 you know, all that information is gathered by satellites that we've placed up there. I um, mean, you can think about it from a def defense perspective when you're talking about missile warning, um, as, as well as communications and other things like that. But just from, you know, everyday, you know, people, um, we use GPS on our phones to navigate from one place to another. That's, you know, because of satellites we put up there, um, you know, the connections that we get um, when we're in remote areas or just to get data, all of that is provided by the communication satellites um, that are up there. Um, and then when we talk about, you know, sustainable practices in agriculture um, and making sure that we have low cost access to food, um, that is enabled by the monitoring of the conditions um, for those uses, as well as monitoring uh, forest fires. Um, and the, the ability to um, predict them, to reduce them, and then to react to them, or even, you know, for disaster recovery and relief. Um, the images that people can provide um, from satellites up there significantly aid in those efforts. Um, and then, you know, you have, of course, just to generally weather monitoring, as I mentioned before, but increasing those capabilities um, can really help us um, prepare um, and prevent natural disasters. This is why your peers were saying uh, you're crazy, but they're also jealous uh, of where exactly. you're, you're talking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You have um, to have a long-term vision to be in this space and to start a new venture because uh, the timelines are, are different than other industries. Where would you, where would you, if you said on this journey that we're setting off on, like where would you say you're at today? I assume you would still consider it early days, even though you've made a lot of progress on things, just considering where you want to take it. But where would you say you are right now, the organization? I'd say we are still in the early days. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, we're we're still in, um, you know, we, we have some significant scaling to do. Um, and, you know, we're looking at our hopper test, which is the first test of our second stage where it will um, go up, travel laterally, and then come back down again. Um, and so that will be the first test of our our vertical launch and vertical landing kind of capability for that. Um, and so that's coming up shortly. Um, but yes, we are still in the early stages and um, our teams are, um, you know, the culture that we had, you know, started with is still um, very present. Um, and so um, we're looking down to quite a bit of growth. Um, but yeah, we're still in the early stages. Yeah, I'm sure in the industry and with partners and prospective partners, there's a lot of excitement and curiosity around what you're doing. I'm sure there's also some level of skepticism and maybe misconception. Like what, what are those conversations that you're running into uh, today? Well, I would say, uh, you know, the biggest test of the viability of a rocket launch company is your first launch. And so um, I think everybody is waiting for us to demonstrate, put it all together. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's a very, very complex system. So you have all these different components that you're designing and then you're testing and you're verifying. But until you actually put them all together, you're not completely aware of the interactions um, and the in intricacy or the complete intricacy of the system. And so that first launch um, is kind of, you know, the big test to actually show that we can do it. Um, and, you know, we're a, a viable kind of approach. Um, so, uh, so getting past that and, and having that demonstration is kind of, I, I would say, our, you know, the the finish line for us. Do you find that people are sort of trying to hold their excitement until this test and then they will kind of like let that out or what's, what's no, the kind of No, you know what? I would say this. So any good plan, you have milestones as you go. Right. And so as you hit each one of those milestones, you know, the excitement builds. And so I would say, you know, when you first lay out that plan and you show all these different technical milestones and all the different risks that you're burning down, um, I would say, yes, people are incredibly skeptical. Um, they're excited, but skeptical. Um, and then as you, you know, take reach each one of those and as you show that you you're doing it on the, you know, before the day you said you would. Um, and you're showing that kind of natural progression, um, people, the excitement builds and builds and builds. And so um, I would say people are incredibly excited, um, but not just because of the overall vision, but how well we've been executing to what we said we were going to do um, and demonstrating it, not just with PowerPoints and, you know, fancy videos, um, although we do have those, um, but with real hardware and real data. Um, and so I would say people are appropriately excited at this time based on what we've been producing. Yeah. So let's imagine what what this looks like on the other side of some successful launches and, and you've got the proof points that you're after. What are the benefits to the satellite companies? Like, why is this, you've talked about it a little bit earlier, but what, why does this matter to them? Oh, so, uh, you know, satellites, first of all, you know, there's, uh, there's these large constellations that you actually want to put, put up there. Um, and so you need to be able to do that fast and you need to have a schedule that you can hit. I mean, you need to do it at low cost in order to make that economic model viable. Um, and so providing all of those um, is incredibly essential. We have a couple of providers right now that are, that are doing that. Um, but if you think about it in, you know, like surface streets versus a freeway, right? Um, so service streets, even though you have the ability to get to your destination, um, you know, it's going to be slow, um, especially during rush hour or whatever. You're going to, you know, be behind all these people waiting your turn. Um, and in general, it's just going to, you know, you know, you're going to be, you know, sitting in traffic for quite a while. Um, but a well-functioning freeway where you have all these different lanes, you're going to be able to, you know, get where you need to go. And so we're providing additional lanes for, um, you know, the satellite providers to um, reach orbits. Um, in addition, they, you know, some of these larger sat um, launch providers aggregate a bunch of satellites. And so they drop them off at one location and then the satellites themselves have to maneuver and get to their final orbit. Um, that takes a lot of time to do, um, a lot of resources to do. Um, and so because we've sized our rocket, you know, we've optimized it um, for the commercial market, we can directly place those satellites into whatever orbit they want to do. Um, and that re significantly reduces the time that it takes for them to become operational, which, um, you know, maximizes the operational life and, you know, more quickly um, gets them producing revenue. 
Yeah, that's cool. So what I'm hearing now, I'll, I'll, this will be a dumbed down version of I think what you just said, but what I'm hearing is because you have reuse, because you have smaller payloads, you're able to provide a lower cost to the satellite companies, which everybody's going to like. And you can be a little bit more surgical with where you have the placement, which allows them to burn less of their resources to get to the place that they need to go, which reduces their costs um, and probably potentially maybe puts them into play a little bit faster, uh, all of which was not possible before because they were using more expensive, less frequent, farther off of the routes, things like that. Is that about right? Yes. You said that much better than I did. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is 100% correct. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And so I think for people outside the industry, I'm outside the industry, I would think, oh, do we need advances in satellites? It seems like it's working well, but what I'm hearing from you and your team is that like we're very discussing the surface. There's just so much more that we can do with more access. Um, There's there's a lot more that can be done uh, in space uh, and done better um, as we advance the industry. Yes, I would I would say to, to folks who are probably not tracking what satellites currently do and the potential, um, you're right. There, it may be hard to understand just how much data they provide and how much they improve our quality of life and how much more they could do. Um, and so uh, the um, there's many different type of sensors uh, that are used to um, to take pictures um, of the earth. Um, and depending on that type of sensor, you can get different types of information um, and that allow um, all of us um, to just live better lives. Um, in addition, you can think about, you know, um, some very remote locations and folks who do not have access to all the information and data that we have um, and how, you know, smaller their world you know, tends to be. And so providing the the communication satellites and those access to that data, it really broadens, you know, their horizons and their understanding of the planet and improves their quality of life. So, um, or if you think about, you know, um, GPS, um, sometimes you lose signals, sometimes you have it, sometimes it's not great. Um, All of putting more satellites up there or more accuracy helps us um, in that regard. Um, I don't know. I don't know. If you recall when you were trying to figure out where to go and you would go to Yahoo Maps and type it in and you'd print out your directions, print it out. right? And and now you have it on your phone. And that's because of, you know, the satellites that are up there. Um, or you would get, you know, this the your phone signal would drop and you would not have anything, you know, you wouldn't be able to um to get information. And now you can. Or, you know, weather predicting, you know. You know, we always criticize weather predicting for how horrible it is, but it has gotten better. Um, and all of that is because advances in the weather monitoring satellites um, or even disaster recovery and relief. You know, some of these really, really horrible natural disasters that occur, um, you utilize satellites to help help people and um, provide the, the aid that they need. Um, so it, it, it seems, you know, it, it seems like there's, that we don't quite understand what more they can provide until you, um, you know, you really dive into it and to see just how much more they can do for us, um, and you know how much more they can improve um, our life here and yeah. just improve the health of the planet, um, yeah. which I think is is really critical. Um, just the monitoring of the planet and the ability for us to um, provide either mitigation or or stop various activities. Um, and, you know, being able to respond to those, I think is, is huge. 
Yeah, we've had the benefit of working or speaking with a lot of different groups who are using uh, Vision AI um, yes. through satellite imagery, right? To keep very close track on things and have such precision um, data on, on things that before would have been very difficult to do um, mm -hmm. and would have had to use like physical measures and things like that. So it is it is pretty wild to see how all this comes together and how the ecosystem relies on different pieces uh, to continually moving forward. Um, I, I was going to ask about some of the technical hurdles that you've overcome so far. It sounds like this is like a constant thing. There's always something that is the next technical hurdle to overcome. Are there any since you've joined that you thought, wow, I, I can't believe we cleared that one, or I was worried we wouldn't be able to get past that one, or just one that you felt you know, extra proud of as you kind of passed that check mark and moved on to the next one? I... Right when I was joining, um, they did the first uh, firing of the entire stage two engine. Um, and so that was a huge deal. Um, and that, uh, you know, that was a, a, yes, we're very, very proud of everybody um, contributing to that um, and, and and joining in the push in order to, to make that happen and to succeed. Um, and then testing the engine um, with the integrated heat shield um, and be able to get that working um, and proving that out, that was huge. Um, and then of course the next one coming up, which is the hopper, um, the hopper test. Um, so that's, um, you know, you know, seeing that happen, I, I think that's going to be a, a large technical hurdle that we get through and we demonstrate. I do have to, so I've been in the electronics industry for a while. And so, and that's where my technical background is. And so, uh, you know, seeing, seeing how fast um, these, you know, I guess these, these rocket scientists, right, these rocket engineers have been moving. And, you know, I'm, I'm understanding, I'm beginning to understand how quickly they're moving through their technical challenges. Um, but I don't necessarily have the, the technical context, um, you know, that, you know, Andy and Tom have um, to understand just how quickly they're moving. Um, however, we have the, our avionics team, um, and they're building all of the electronics um, for the rocket. And so the avionics controls steers and um, does all the thinking, um, essentially, for the rocket. And so um, I have experience in that particular area. And uh, I, uh, there was a, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, they were putting the, together the entire avionics package, and they were testing it out um, for stage two, and got it assembled, and they were turning it on that day. And, you know, uh, an, an intern had walked into the break room, and I had commented, you know, don't, you know, don't be discouraged if it doesn't, you know, if you guys don't get it working, you know, this weekend, you know, and in my experience, it takes a while to work out those bugs. And, um, and, you know, it could be, you know, it could be, you know, some time before you figure out exactly how um, to get it going. And, and she said, oh, okay. And the, <laughs> and the next day, the entire thing was working. And, <laughs> and um, and so that definitely put it in perspective um, and, and into a tech, you know, a technical context so that I could fully understand just how amazing the people here are and, you know, how quickly they're moving. Yeah. Um, so I love I that. You're setting this your question. I think I know that's good. I love the story though. You're like setting these expectations like, Hey, this can take some time. Don't be defeated. And they're like, Oh, we got it. <laughs> exactly. I was humbled. I felt very, I, I felt a little bit like, oh my God, what a, what was I doing in my earlier life that it took me so long to get that done? 
<laughs> it's probably also an encouraging feeling. Like you made a good choice um, and you're like, wow, we can really make a lot of progress here. I, yes, I 100% agree uh, that I made a fantastic choice and, you know, that I can really, I guess, experience, um, I guess, the speed that I kind of was seeing when I, you know, interviewed and first started working here. But, you know, I'm really beginning to understand, you know, the full impact of it. When you think forward for not just your organization, but the industry, what what is your vision and, and where do you see things moving? I mean, there's there's been a lot of movement and um from my view, it seems like there's a lot more attention on the space uh, just because there's some big names attached to some of these new innovations. But where do you where do you see it going um, in the next, I don't know, five or 10 years or, or what have you? Uh, so I'm going to start off with a little a little bit depressing. Um, and I would say that there's a lot of rocket companies out there right now. Um, and I do think that in the coming years, there's going to be some consolidation. Um, and so um, I don't necessarily believe that all the theses hold water. And so I think we'll see um, some natural pruning um, of all, all the, you know, of a number of those companies. Mine won't be one of them, by the way. <laughs> um, but I think you'll see a, a number of, you know, just the overall options kind of narrow down. Um, and after that occurs, um, I think you're going to see uh, a couple of very strong um, you know, uh, rocket companies out there that are providing um, launch services and competing with each other to drive down the cost, um, increase the cadence, um, and just really provide much more routine access to space. And so that's where I kind of see us going. I see it almost as a, you know, airplane travel. Um, where you can book uh, a ride on an airplane and you know that there is going to be, you know, numerous flights occurring um, to get where you need to go. And so I almost see it kind of taking on that type of context um, where you can just book with any of these rocket companies and um, and you'd have your preferred ones based off of, you know, who treats you the best and how quickly um, they get up there and how much they charge. Um, but there's going to be that competition that exists um, that provides a very strong um, industrial base, um, as well as many different options uh, for the customers. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it, it mimics what we see in a lot of other industries. The One of the unique things about this industry is just the cost to entry is so high yes. and the resource so resource intensive, so complex, um, as well as the safety mm -hmm. uh, aspect of it. Um, so in some ways it feels like there's been a lot of innovation in, in like very large organizations. And now it's advanced to this point where you can innovate a little bit faster. And so now everybody's trying to be the one and there'll be some natural pruning that happens. It's inevitable. Like it, yes, it doesn't yeah. seem like that could possibly move forward with everybody succeeding, right? Like there will be some whittling down of who, who does it better and first and those types of things. But you mentioned resources. And so I, I think um, one of the, I'm going to say this and it sounds a little trite to say it because I think everybody does. Um, but I really believe that talent is one of the most critical resources um, that we face. And so I believe that right now, um, the amount of, of engineers who um, have experience in the discipline and who are studying this discipline um, needed um, in order to you know, make us successful has dramatically increased. Um, and so um, I think from that perspective, I think we just we're in a very, very unique situation. The um, I like to think of it the, 
you know, back when we started the space race a long time ago, um, it kind of started people dreaming about space and what it meant and what you could do there. And, you know, NASA was, you know, everybody loved NASA. They were doing so much and, you know, people wanted to be, um, you know, rocket scientists or astronauts or all these different, you know, careers and people, you know, kids dreamed of it and people specifically went into those fields in order to study it. And so, you know, it was, people loved it. It was inspiring and it was awesome. And I think, you know, in the, you know, the, the earlier, you know, part of, of, you know, the early 2000s and in the 90s, you know, there was a frustration with what type of movement are we are we seeing? How fast are we going? You know, and, you know, people, the excitement kind of died down. And I think there was some latent frustration that existed um, because we weren't taking full advantage of those dreams and that talent base that existed. Um, and I think that, you know, SpaceX tapped into that. Um, you know, they knew it was there and they, you know, they, they, they lit a fire, you know, and and really allowed people to tap into that and pull all of those dreams and all of those um, those people together in order to perform. And so, you know, I think it's almost reawakened. And so, there's this huge amount of of talent that that wants to participate in um, this new space and wants to be a part of it. And so, I think we're lucky that we live in you know this particular time that we have such a strong um, talent base to pull from. I, I agree with that. I. We uh, certain industries go in and out of vogue, and mm -hmm. everybody wants to you know major in this, and then they don't. And and uh, I think you're right about what was the sort of catalyst for the. For, I mean, I, as an outsider, I can see that right. It's yes. that that's this is where this is what lit a fire, and it does feel like on the whole, there's a lot of some of the brightest minds were going into things like social media uh, tech. And then I think they became disillusioned with uh, the impact of what that was. And now you're seeing people move over to some some uh, more impactful uh, technology companies where they see it, it seems like longer term vision that they're they're chasing and they're after in really tough problems, you know, that uh, have big consequences if it doesn't if it doesn't work out right. So it does. I, I would agree with that. And I think I see this in different industries, maybe tangential industries. So it, it's encouraging, isn't it? When you see the the talent and the sharpest minds going into places that you want them to be. Oh, no, it's inspiring. And it's yeah, it's it's awesome. Yes. What's the so, Kelly, you've been here for a little bit at Stokespace mm -hmm. for a little bit. What's been some of the most rewarding? Is there a reward? Is there a story that comes to mind or something that just means a lot to you what's been rewarding for you so far i i i can't speak highly enough about the team here um so i think they're absolutely phenomenal and um i've led large organizations in in, in different companies and i have um been you know frustrated by my ability to affect change you know, even even at certain levels, you think to yourself, why can't I do this? Like, I should be able to do this. And, you know, just the overall bureaucracy and being able to provide the right incentives and and rewards for folks who are who are doing this amazing work. It's incredibly difficult to do. And so um, I have, you know, now that we're we can do work so fast and we can work at such incredible speeds. Um, it is so easy to provide, um, I guess, the team with the support that they need. Um, and so um, I can recall a 
a um, we were moving really fast at the end of last year, um, and we had gone through a number of demonstrations. And um, you know, the teams were were really pushing, um, and they were very dedicated. And um, I think it was Tom, um, who is the co-founder, said we should um, you know give people this you know day before Thanksgiving. Um, we should give them it to them as a holiday, um, and we should just tell them to take it off and spend with their families. And um, you know, they've been, you know, and spend that time with them and tell them that we appreciate both the employees and the employees' families for doing this um, with us. And I was able to say, okay, done. <laughs> and, and, you know, it wasn't even, you know, I, I, I just went in and made that change. And, you know, within half an hour, you know, the announcement was out and, and people could do it. And so that is, so rewarding, you know, to be able to, um, you know, I guess provide um, that type of things to your employees um, so quickly um, and be able to recognize them. Um, that I was incredibly excited about that. It was so empowering. Yeah. When it makes sense, you can just make it happen. There's not a lot of layers in between and, to make a decision. No. And, and even, and even, uh, you know, even if they're, I guess they're, they're, there was additional layers. There was no justification that needed to happen. There was just an acknowledgement that our people were doing such good work and, and, you know, and they needed to spend some time with their families. And, and I would say even just the acknowledgement of that, um, you know, from yeah. you know, the leader and saying, we, we need to take care of them. I think yeah. that as well.